0: Boys. Come on, boys. The boys are back in Blitz Month rolls on. No guests, nothing uh too crazy. It's your two originals. It's me, Scott, and Grant. Grants were a week into Blitz Month. And honestly, looking back on that last week in July, we did five shows in one week there. We're pumping out episodes. Like absolute (laughs) themes right now. Um, How are you doing? Uh, I see you're sucking down coffee. Um, How's life?
1: (laughs) It's good. Um, I'm a little worn down (laughs) this Sunday morning. (laughs) Baby has been giving it to us the last like three hours. So I'm beat up, but um, I'm going to suck down this coffee and I'm going to feel good. I'm a little also beat up because had a scramble golf scramble yesterday and my body's just hurting. So I feel old this morning. I feel particularly kind of old.
0: Yeah. So I, I don't have quite those trials and tribulations, but little, uh, how's, how's puppy? Yeah, how's so the puppy? Moscow. He, he takes after me and that he loves to wake up early. Um, the issue <laughs> is, is like, he wants to wake up even earlier than me. And you know, I used to be, Hey, like 4.00 AM, 4.30, 30. Uh, especially when I was going to the office. But now over like a month and a half of working from home, I've gotten to the point where it's like, all right, 5 to 5.15 is my sweet spot. The little guy wants out of his kennel at like 4, 4.30. Usually I try to squeeze out an extra snooze or two, but uh, he's up and at him. And then the thing that pisses me off about this little guy is of course, the second he goes to the bathroom, eats some breakfast, go to the bathroom again, the dude just wants to keep sleeping. It's just like, come on, man, give me till 5.30. What's up with you, man?
1: 5.15, 5.30 is still pretty damn early. So what time do you tend to go to bed?
0: So I'm like going to bed around 10 every night, but he's like, like if I'm not like wrestling him up or like trying to play with him, like he's out cold at seven and he won't wake up on his own accord uh, if I don't wake him up because I'm trying to get it. So he's like, all right, like right on my schedule. Um, but the dude just likes to, like, 7 o'clock, like, he's hating the, like, he was out cold for the whole Sporting KC game last night. I mean, I'm right there with him. I hate these, like, and that was in the mountain time zone, but he does not like the late games, but uh, he, he's a good boy. I took him over to mom and dad's, and their fence is not like a chain fence or a wood fence. It's just like this decorative fence almost. He's still small enough. He stuck his head through yeah. the first time I took him over there. Well, yesterday, I'm out there letting him go to the bathroom. He gets his entire body through the fence, and I think, oh, God, here we go. I'm about to chase this dog through all of, like, you know, their neighborhood. I yell at him. He comes right through the gate right when I opened it, looking at me like, what? You know, I didn't do anything wrong. So, he's, uh, he's a little stinker, but he, he's, he's doing all right. Was sick, actually, for a little bit last week. Took him to the vet. Everything's fine, but. Sick boy. Yeah. Yeah, he was I, yeah
1: one. I would love to be able to get up at five thirty every day um i uh, I don't know you know having a baby has made me I, I, when I'm in bed at every night at like eight thirty so and it feels appropriate, but I never know what night i'm gonna get. It's just like a, a a total hodgepodge every single night, especially now i think he's we think he's teething and it's just a nightmare like he won't he just started sleeping. And then, like, last week, it just blew up, and it was like it was the first week again. And now he, like, is just pissed off all the time and just drool is pouring out of his mouth. He's trying to eat everything. So it's crazy. Crazy life over here. But uh, working from home, I've developed some bad habits myself. So I, I, I'll, like, hit snooze a thousand times. It's, it's no good. So I'm going to have to become more disciplined like you over there. 5 oh, a.m. Yeah. every day.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll start giving you wake-up calls. Um, Let's move on from kids and puppy, and let's do something that we love to do, and that's make fun of social media, and specifically the official KU Athletics and official KU Football (laughs) Twitter accounts. Uh, First off, we kind of made fun of them during the live show. You live in Lawrence now, right? Uh So you can attest to me right now, it's like you never left the Kansas City Metro, did you?
1: No, I mean, it's, you know... (laughs) It's funny how, you know, ever since I lived here, I didn't realize how far Lawrence really was until I had to start commuting and I'm commuting like, like I am, to be fair, I'm on the West side of Lawrence, but it takes me like, I live right off the highway so I can pop onto I-70 and it's a straight shot to my employer, which is really also right off the highway I-70 and it's like kind of on the east side of the city in fact it is on the very last possible street before you get into Missouri so about as close as possible and it still takes me 45 fucking minutes to get basically from my job to work and I feel like even though I'm on the west side of Lawrence my access to the highway I think kind of you know cancels that out because if I was like even if I was on the, on the east side of Lawrence, I would still have to go through town probably to get to the highway and that would kind of cancel it out. But it's insane. That is one of the funniest pushes I've ever seen. They've been seriously twerking on the timeline with all sorts of crazy, like pick us little shows that has to be the stupidest one. Then oh, yeah. being like, we are Kansas city. Uh, we basically have an airport. It's so weird
0: that that actually the airport bit was the funniest because i can i can like legitimately i can get on board with like lawrence trying to brand themselves as, oh we're part of the kansas city metro when here's the fun fact when you look at uh, dmc or whatever like how like how they determine media markets and we know this because uh, our podcasting app breaks it out by media markets Lawrence falls into the Topeka media market. So it's funny they're trying to attach themselves, but the airport thing was the funniest thing. And I was listening to a national college football podcast. They actually brought up the graphic because they were talking about big 12 stuff. And then some guy was like, yeah, I had no idea like all this stuff was going on Lawrence, yada, yada, yada. And then the guy goes, no, all those stats are about Kansas City. And, he, and then he was like, oh, is like Lawrence, like, you know, just like the county over there. Like, no, it's 45 minutes. And then they just start roasting KU, and that's funny. Another thing I want to make fun of them for, did you see their graphic where they had so they go from one edge of the of the spectrum saying, Oh, we're basically Kansas City, to the graphic of, oh, KU football, it's coming. It's like, here's this wheat. Field this guy in a wheat leading, field. <laughs> yeah, it's this guy in a wheat field leading up to their shit ass stadium. Like, here's here's another thing. If you're going to do an edit. Why not actually wash the cement of Memorial Stadium, like, in the edit? Make <laughs> it look a little bit better than it actually is. They're like, no, we're just going to show the world this shitty stadium.
1: It's hilarious, especially with, like, it just – it's two things that clash is so hard. And, the, they're like, they're pumping out this Lawrence's in an art and culture center – there's art it's everywhere art everywhere yeah i've gotten a lot, of, a lot of mileage out of that too all caps art everywhere um but even like fuck there used to be this stupid shirt from that dumbass like t-shirt shop oh, that Joe was College. shut down and yeah. it was like i can't remember but it was some bullshit to just feed you know ku people's egos that was like 90 miles separates something like i can't remember exactly what it was but it was like it fed it fed along oh it was ag agriculture and culture 90 miles separates agriculture and culture and it's like they're fucking waving the wheat every touchdown they score and they're posting this photo of their a football player just in the middle of a giant wheat field as if their stadium isn't just in the middle of campus with like zero space zero open space at all whatsoever but and, and they just make fun of ag people all the fucking time.
0: Yeah, yeah. and then that's and that's the graphic they put out. It's just yeah, fucking wild.
1: It, it's, it's a joke. I mean, it is funny to see them, like, seriously dancing and doing every single move they possibly can to get attention for this realignment. It's, yeah, and, it's embarrassing.
0: And here's the final thing I want to make fun of KU for. Um, and this doesn't have anything to do with, like, trying to get their brand out there. This is just lacking self-awareness and... Honestly, probably not understanding math. So yesterday evening, um, so what was it, like at 7.23 p.m. on a Saturday, which is always an interesting time to put out a graphic of any kind. 7.23 on a Saturday, no one's on Twitter except for people who are addicted like me. They're they're saying, KU worked out this summer. They lost, as a total team, 244.7 pounds of fat. Guess how many people are on their official roster 125 <laughs> yeah that's what? Uh... and that's why and then they gained 372.2 pounds of muscle mass like that's just that's either trying to sneak something past the general public and saying, hey, people don't realize how many folks are on or are on a football roster for summer workouts or they're just dumb. I'm honestly kind of leaning towards they're just dumb.
1: My favorite part about that is somebody replied, Les is getting this, those guys into shape. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just nobody knows anything about KU. <laughs> Nobody's paying attention, particularly to KU football. Oh, also, we should definitely talk about fuck, uh, What's his name? One of their journalists um, pushing to play oh, yes, 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 in okay. um, Children's yes. Mercy Park, as if ha- going moving to a stadium for a Power Five team where their home stadium is fifty thousand, um, and spending an entire year where it's eighteen, maybe twenty thousand, is like so painfully unaware and embarrassing to even suggest that. It got yeah. me good.
0: Yeah, so so Matt Tate, of course, gets wrapped up in one of um, Mike Vernon <laughs> or whatever the fuck his name is, like Twitter uh like jesse newell that's yeah it. That's oh it was jesse newell i thought it was matt tate but it doesn't matter um so talking about how okay oh, you needs to worry about improving their stadium if they want to get in the big 10 okay shocker that dude who said it was in- imminent knows absolutely nothing shocker i know but yeah so jesse newell just goes oh yeah if they have to do renovations they can just go to children's mercy park for a full year and again it is so wild and again The the wild thing isn't that he suggested it. That's not wild at all to me. The wild thing is it would be accepted and almost celebrated by KU fans to play in a stadium that is 18,000. Granted, amazing stadium. It would be fun for the KU fans who like football, but it's wild that it's like, oh, yeah, 18,000. That works. That makes sense. And they still have the, this audacity to think that they're this crown jewel. Again, I think there's a better than zero chance they end up in the Big Ten one day. I don't know what's going to happen, but the jokes just write themselves with this football program and their fans. The, <laughs> the best part is the fans lack self awareness. There are people saying, "Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, this is great." Yada yada yada. Ku fans just are not ku. Yeah, when it comes to football, they're just not self aware, and it's hilarious.
1: I mean what did they average last year in terms of attendance? It was like around 30,000 or something. So first of all, in
0: 2019, not last 2019.
1: Year. That's right. That's right. I mean, they're. And yeah, that's, paid I, attendance.
0: The, that's paid attendance. So they're right. counting a full student section because their students get free football tickets. And then all the people who buy football tickets to increase their uh, Williams fund standing for basketball tickets who don't go to games like there's no, I think there's a legitimate chance that if they played a game there, there would be games that were not
1: sellouts. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, the product is unbelievably bad. It's it's going to be, I, I can't imagine there's going to be a game that they win this year, maybe South Dakota, um, but they don't I have, like. I mean, a, Texas
0: Tech, actually. But.
1: Tech, I could see, but Tech is, yeah, that's true. They're absolutely terrible. And I think Matt Wells is on the way out, but. I that that might be my favorite um, stick to beat them with after this week is them like pushing or a a journalist of them of theirs pushing to play in a stadium, 18,000 seats uh, for a year and no one being like, that's a bad idea. It's unbelievable. And I love them for it. They're really exposing themselves this, this past week.
0: I love it. All right, before we get into actually talking about stuff that isn't K-State and us just making fun of KU, but hey, we know what you people like. You like it when we make fun of other schools. Spotify, Green Room, they are our spot. We're going live every single Wednesday at 7 p.m. and when news strikes. Um, Not only us, it's like literally popping. You can go over there and there's hundreds of live rooms all the time. You can get your buddies together. There's people from the ringer there's other big j journos there's even athletes who get in over there at spotify green room and again get used to it because once basketball season comes around there will be no more quick take hot takes we're doing instant reactions all basketball season long for the weekday games over on spotify green room and again we have a lot of fun they've really taken off the last few weeks and it's only going to get more fun as we build into the season and again it's blitz month we're dropping an episode every single weekday leading up to the first game all right sadly topic number one is going to continue to be conference realignment with the biggest news currently are the attempts of Bob Bowlesby to try strike some sort of deal with the Pac-12 either with some sort of merger or scheduling alliance from where I sit, I, th- I think the scheduling alliance could maybe go into effect as soon as next year Whenever OU and Texas decide to start playing in the SEC, that said, I actually think that we're going to have at least one more lame duck year with those two in there. I think the 2022 football season is still going to include Texas and Oklahoma, but we'll see. Um, But you know, once they go, it actually could provide the extra power five games to fill the current TV contract contracts we have with ESPN and Fox and not have to expand immediately. Do you, kind of consider that the best option if you're going to do some sort of scheduling alliance stay with the eight teams versus expanding uh, up to 10 or 12 if you can still stay compliant within those tv contracts
1: my preferred scenario is some sort of merger um i don't know how a scheduling alliance has, would necessarily work i mean i know how it would work but i don't know how that would give us any added stability for like looking down the road. Um, I don't think,
0: I don't think it necessarily gives you stability. I think, I think that if there's going to be a scheduling Alliance, it's only going to be through the current grant of rights and just gives you those extra power five games, right? They compliant within your TV contract. Right. So yeah, I mean, ideally, I love the
1: idea of some sort of merger. It gives us that safety net. And, I mean, I'm I'm coming along to the idea of playing these Pac-12 schools, and it's getting a little bit exciting to me. Um, I don't know how exactly it would work. I've seen several different ways, the 10-team ten, the ten East versus the 10-team West. I've seen four different pods of five. Um, I like them all. I think it would be great. Um, the way the landscape is changing, you really – Have to throw all of your history and culture out the window, anyways. So, we've already lost it anyway. So, we might as well be open to crazy new change at this point. And I would much prefer that something with the Pac 12 than the the other alternatives that have been staring K State. Um, You know, we've been looking down the barrel of AAC, MAC, or Mountain West, or something like that. There's no chance we're going to the Big Ten. There's no chance we're going to any other Power Five. So, I'm praying over here that the Pac 12. And, um, and some sort of merger happens. All
0: right, here's my question for you: What dollar amount difference between a pack merger or a new Big Twelve would it take for you to say, "No, I'm I want to keep the eight and expand uh, with either AAC or Mountain West teams that we want"? Would it be like? Hey, there's no dollar amount as long as it is equal or more to the pack you want that merger, or would you say, hey, if it's five million dollars less, I would prefer to keep us eight and then expand and create our own conference versus joining with all them? What what would that dollar figure look like for
1: you? You're gonna have to start over. Around. every time you
0: do the mic down, you like Sorry. lose like the first what's,
1: <clears throat> what's the hypothetical dollar figure that's being so, thrown around so now.
0: Currently the Big 12 is getting 40 million. Currently the Pac 12 is around 30 million of conference allocation. So let's say we could get 25 million dollars allocated and the Pac 12, 20, whatever, stays at 30 and we expand with any version of what you want. Two, four, six, eight teams create a new conference and you're only five million dollars. You're getting twenty-five million, which is down from 40. But five back from
1: thirty. Hmm. I truly would take more. I would take marginally less money if in the in the pack, because um, I value stability more than I guess. But then again, in this scenario, money is kind of showing to be the stability. So uh, I don't know. I think that's a pretty good question, but I don't think that I would never feel safe if we really. It's so funny because like six months ago, we talked about this and I was like, was I have no fucking words. It wasn't yeah, six it was, it was like two. two. Yeah, you're right.
0: And, and you're like, I have no words. Well, I think here, I said the same thing, but you're very bullish saying no. Well, it's I'm like,
1: it seemed like, you know who else is bullish? Our freaking commissioner. Well, but,
0: everyone um, was. Everyone yeah. was. That's, that's why, at least kudos to Texas and Oklahoma. Like, they fucking suck. Hate them. But good yeah. for them, like, being able to pull this off.
1: They did uh, a very good job at keeping it under wraps, but I still would lean if it, even if it meant like, you know, five, five million less to merge with the pack and it would be spread across more teams. I think I would still prefer to go that direction. That's me.
0: I disagree. I I mean, I, I I disagree. I think we could build a better athletic league and and it, and at least that first TV contract, you're not going to be making as much as you were with the Pac-12. Um, so I I would I would prefer if it's only like five million less than the Pac-12. If if you could create a league where you're getting twenty five million dollar in media versus thirty with Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, Memphis, you know Boise State, BYU, Colorado State. If you could create some sort of conglomeration of the best of the Mountain West and best of the American, the remaining eight schools, I would still support that. I, w- I would like that better, especially if the 12 team playoff goes into effect the way they say it's going to, that would be the much better route for K-State. But again, I don't th- I think you said it perfectly. I think that doesn't give you the stability you would ultimately need. And then all it would take is again, you know, one, one school, two schools jumping, and then that's all that. So We'll move on. Uh, your favorite journalist, Dennis Dodd, had a whole big article about a Pac-12 and the, we'll say the big eight or the high eight, whatever we want to call the remaining eight schools, what a relationship could look like and what could make it mutually beneficial. He detailed like, you know, a uh, two 10 team divisions, some five team pods, some scheduling Alliance, but something that I thought was interesting and I've heard it talked about elsewhere doesn't even have a scheduling alliance in paper and not a merger, but he said just a joint media rights deal for tier one and tier two games. Um, and th- this was said also, I think, uh, I think John Kurtz had someone on from Texas tech who also said something similar. Like if, if they band together and said, Hey, look, our rights are together. That would put Fox NBC and CBS all in a fight with each other along with some of these tech streaming companies that have proven they, they will overpay for live sporting events. And we've seen it like crazy on the, you know, sports side of thing. Amazon, I think paid the NFL like $500 million for two years of Thursday night football, just to simulcast, not even exclusive rights. So they will overpay for that. And then all of a sudden you might be making close to what you're currently making and just joining an alliance with the pac 12 makes it so you can't you're not fighting with them for those media dollars so i thought that was interesting what would your take be if you could get that sort of money say get up to the 32 33 million and not have an alliance not having a merger or does it ultimately come down to you hey that's just one more tv contract before we're fucked again it just
1: kind of feels like kicking the can down the road doesn't it um
0: me a little bit, but I think it just comes back to my desire to not have to be in this like Frankenstein League yeah, 20 teams where really it's just two separate conferences. I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm just looking for any sort of <laughs> world where yeah. there's still like five power conferences, not four, and one of them is just gross.
1: I just think, unfortunately, we've crossed a certain threshold now where... There's really no going back. And that Frankenstein League, even that could be kicking the can down the road um, for a team like K-State. I don't know. Who the fuck knows what's going to happen? It's So much has changed just in a decade, um, and so much has changed just in, like, a month. Um, And theoretically, there's a lot more yet to come. So I don't feel... I don't feel confident in really any of these solutions when it comes to our safety and our stability and our landing spot. Um, I, it feels to me like there's going to be four power conferences at some point and it's going to stay that way. And even then, um, even the mid tier teams, um, I I don't want to shit on K-State. I don't know where we stand because you and I are both bullish on K-State, but in this, um, you know, this scenario, we don't stand out very much. So I'm trying to think of, let's think of teams that aren't the absolute top tier that are safe teams below that. Like, um,
0: but here's the, here's the thing. I, I think it ultimately just comes down to geography and historical ties. And the issue was the big 12, when it took in some of those Southwest conference teams, there wasn't ever buy-in and for better or worse, Texas came in, they wanted unequal, when we did like the second media deal in the Big 12, they wanted unequal media distribution based on how many appearances you made on national television. People signed yeah. up for that. And then even people who agreed to it, which included a and in Nebraska, got butt hurt because Texas started making more money and started throwing their weight around, then they left. The second that happened, the second the Big 12 lost two marquee universities, they were always screwed because of where they were ge- when it comes to geography. Here's the thing. The ACC lost Maryland to the big 10, but where they are geographically <clears throat> and the fact that the SEC had already expanded up to 14 teams at that point made them safe forever. Yeah. And the only way they're ever going to die off is, is, if the SEC wants to go up to like 32 teams and truly try to make themselves like a mini NFL
1: they're that's, safe, because of yeah. the Pac-12 is safe
0: because of geography. The Pac 12 is safe because of geography. That's the reason the Big Twelve got fucked, is because they got poached from the north, from the Southeast, and from the West. And it's all because of geography. If you put all the Big 12 states in the West, you put the Pac 12 in the Midwest, it would be us who was safe. It would have been USC and UCLA and Oregon and Washington. Who got poached to new leagues, not us. And it ultimately just came down to geography. That's why we're fucked.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree that it obviously does come down to geography in terms of uh locations of the of these conferences. The Big 12 is kind of in no man's land in regards to that. But I even think that you kind of mentioned or you kind of hinted at it, like a 32 team, like one kind of minor league, almost NFL feeder league that the SEC would try to do. I think like it, what's stopping it from being, even though teams are safe geography wise, what's stopping it from being like, why the fuck? Like, I don't really care about Alabama, Missouri. What's, I I feel like even teams like Missouri teams like Maryland aren't safe in the future because they aren't these big names, even though they represent certain markets in certain areas, it's going to be like, I don't really care about Ohio state, Maryland. Let's, let's um, water this down even further. And if you're not an absolutely like elite tier one team, you could be fucked in the future, but I don't necessarily know what that I mean, looks like, but I, it just kind of seems that I think it eventually will happen. I,
0: I think eventually there will be some sort of breakaway football league. The issue is, is will the NCAA, if they do that, will they flex their muscles and tell those teams, Hey, if you do that, you can't compete yeah. for NCAA championships in any other sports because yeah. as much as like some people want to say oh there's going to be a breakaway basketball tournament no one is going to give a fuck about some 64 team everyone in there no like people can say oh yeah who wants to watch you know K State versus you know Loyola Marymount or some like no name team from the like swack like in the opening round when we get a one seed this year when big when Bruce goes 16 and 0 in the Big 12 Um, and he doesn't lose and
1: he doesn't lose in the first Yeah, and he
0: doesn't lose um no that's what people like there people are not going to want to watch this breakaway ncaa tournament i think that what the the second that happens that's the death of college sports i think it eventually will happen. i think it ends up happening i do too lifetime so yeah 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 um, and, and here's the thing once that breakaway happens it doesn't matter college sports is done like it is done um so I don't really care if Missouri gets left behind in that. I mean, I'll probably laugh at them. But if that I ends, don't either. K-State, K-State will get like pretty far left behind. But here's also the other thing. It doesn't matter what conference K-State's going to be in. I'm going to watch them and I'm not going to lose my passion for K-State football or basketball. Um, I think the athletic department could be in trouble if that happens, but it's not going to affect me, but it is going to suck if it happens.
1: Yeah. And I'm all for, you know, Forcing the hand, making Fox, NBC, CBS all fight for fight over, excuse me, fight over the right um, you know, to to broadcast the games. But I'm I'm also surprised that um, it hasn't gone like full streaming yet. Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Netflix, just the way that streaming has kind of taken over already. I am surprised that more live sports hasn't been broadcasted. I haven't, I never see anything like that and especially like has Netflix ever done anything like that prime have they ever done anything like that I know Hulu obviously does but they have streaming they have live television so so,
0: I don't know so prime like they got access to simulcast do alternate broadcast for Thursday night football once upon a time or for like a couple years well they're getting exclusive rights to Thursday night football here in a couple years so they're already getting in it Netflix has said in their shareholder meetings that they're going to look into getting live sports. Uh, And Apple TV has said some of the same stuff. That's kind of why I put that in there. I think that that might be the way to go. And luckily the grant of rights deal still has a few years left. So that's only going to be a few more years of streaming, but I do want to like kind of throw this funny hypothetical out there. The olds (laughs) get so mad with ESPN plus, which is streaming. Like we, we currently have quite a few games on ESPN plus. How mad is it going to be when you have like some massive K-State versus Texas Tech game for the East Division of the Pac-20 championship on the line? They're trying to figure out, okay, is this on Amazon Prime? Is it Apple Plus? You know, what What about Netflix? And they're yes. trying to, you know, call all their grandsons to set them up, like fix their Roku stick or their Fire Stick, all this type of stuff. Just imagine the meltdown that's going to be in a few
1: years. There's no doubt that there's going to be um, several nights and hundreds of tweets on our timelines like just bat. like amazon prime is the absolute worst streaming service and it's going to rotate too it's going to be like people are going to be like netflix is the absolute shittiest shittiest streaming service i can't believe it's still or i can't believe it's as successful as it, as it is and i've had my problems with espn plus but i <laughs> i do think that it is typically user error um or it's like just sh- you have shitty wi-fi It's usually not the streaming service. Sometimes it is, and it's like, it obviously is. But
0: The only time it's the streaming service is when literally everyone else is having the issue. If if there's anyone who is successfully streaming, it is either your device, your internet, or you.
1: I'm going to shit on, I mean, like, Bally is one of the buggiest, shittiest ones, but...
0: I still have never had an issue with Bally.
1: It's, it's good on like Roku solely. I think it's, it's horrid on Amazon or on Firestick, but I think Firestick is just kind of shitty, like in general. And a lot of apps are very yes. buggy on that. So I don't know, but I, I I'm all for it. Cause I've basically gone. I've been only streaming forever. I haven't, I've never had cable myself and I'm all for it. I think that would be great. Um, I think it'd probably be a pretty good product too.
0: No, I think so too. I think I think that's the way things are going. I think that's the best shot K-State has at continuing to have such a high media payout. Let's move to the biggest K-State-specific news that came out this past week. Our dear friend, recurring guest, and currently now big-timing us, not coming on. Um, we're still trying to make that happen this offseason. But Gene Taylor is taking the place of Chris Del Conte in rep- representing the Big 12 in the college football playoff committee. How great of an honor is that for our friend Gene?
1: It's huge. I mean, huge honor great chance for him to network in a time where he needs to be kind of establishing himself with the upper tier of college, you know, folks, and uh, it's great. I'm really happy for Jim because it's also probably a very cool experience for him. Um, So I I hope we can get him on to talk to him about it. That'll be great.
0: Yep, still working on making that happen during the month. Um, On, I think, the Friday episode of the game uh, on 1350 K-Man, John Kurtz and Kellis Robinette were talking about, they were talking about how it's maybe a sign that the rest of college football, the world, respects K-State a bit more than the national media does. Because if you look at the history of folks on it, you don't see too many universities that don't have well-respected football programs having their AD on that committee. And you touched on it as well, and so did they. They said it might help... Gene more easily network and expand his contacts with power conferences that could possibly help out in the future so you touched on it a little bit but do you agree with Kurtz and k Dog that hey maybe this is a sign that K-State isn't going to be as fucked as uh the national media might think and hey maybe this is going to allow Gene to you know put us in an even better position I,
1: I hope so maybe I hope that Gene isn't actually going to secretly Texas and OUS he's going to use this chance to network behind the scene and get some different ad job but well here's the thing um,
0: i i I don't think because he was being brought up for the missouri job i've heard because i've asked some folks it's granted i'm I'm not going to burn any bridges but i actually know someone in the umkc athletic department who seems pretty plugged in into local athletics he says that hey no there might have been some interest but gene is not looking to leave k-state he wants to be at k-state there's no more truth to him in Missouri talking. Was there truth once upon a time? Not really sure. But I think he's committed to K State. So I don't think that's the case. And also with the Big 12 saying, hey, Del Conte, go kick rocks, I don't think they're going to put an AD who might have a wandering eye on the committee representing the conference.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel pretty good about I I don't know. I, I, I don't have any actual fear of Gene wandering away from K State. And I think. I think he, I think he loves K-State and I think he's pretty happy where he is. Um, Fingers crossed that I don't jinx us. But overall it's a very good scenario for us right now. And it's good for Gene. And I think it'll be beneficial both ways.
0: Yep. And I, and I, I do think that it will have some benefit while we're navigating these new worlds of conference realignment. I don't think it's going to be massive, but it's definitely not going to hurt. So uh, we'll keep moving on. Um, again, just want to shout out Spotify Green Room. Going live there every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Keep a lookout on Twitter for us. We will be tweeting the links from the Bosco's Boys account, Scott Wildcat, and Grant usually retweets it. He's still rocking with the Grant KSU. It's not gotten banned yet. Although soccer season's right around the corner, so I have a feeling you might be. Uh, I haven't even banned. gotten
1: any like. I haven't even gotten like a warning. I don't think they care anymore. I think okay. I'm scot free.
0: Well, there you go. Um, And then also, again, Blitz Month, new show every single weekday leading up to the game. All right, so we're less than a month out. We are, like, it is, I can almost feel it. I can almost taste those, like, cold Miller Lights because I think that's what they sell inside AT&T Stadium. I'm not quite sure. Um, My personal excitement is building daily. It's almost through the roof. But my hypothesis is, is between the Delta variant spiking and conference realignment happening, it's almost seeming to tamper down some of the excitement in the fan base as a whole. Do you get the same vibe or do you think I'm reading too much into things?
1: I'm definitely worried about it, Um, just generally. But I've thought a lot about... uh, As far as like attendance goes, I don't really think that there's going to be interruptions in the season this year. There could be, um, especially with breakthrough infections and stuff like that. But um, as long as there's like a decent chunk of unvaccinated people, it's going to continue to uh, kind of mutate and there's going to be new variants coming through like every few months. So I think it's just like the new, I hate to say the new normal, but it's just reality of what's going to continue happening. So um, as far as college football goes, I don't think there's going to be a huge change unless it gets really bad. I mean,
0: well, I'm talking mainly about like the excitement amongst fan bases. Like, I I don't. Think oh, I should... haven't
1: seen anyone talk about that. And certain, I I still see the excitement level still high. I don't see it down, at least from my point of view, because of the Delta variant. I think the the biggest thing that's hit the excitement is realignment, which you did kind of mention. So, I think people are still excited. I mean, we're less than a month away from Stanford, um, which is going to be like. You know, it's in Texas, so there's going to be no restrictions there guaranteed, and I'm seeing a lot of positive chatter about it, and I think people are pumped in a month or so, we'll see, or two months or so, I guess, we'll see what happens as the season really starts rolling, but fuck, I mean, I just don't see it really dialing back too hard. There was a fucking Garth Brooks concert at Arrowhead last night where it was just like jam packed, full capacity people on the field. And like in that area in Missouri and East Missouri, like it's out of fucking control. So clearly nobody gives a shit anymore. And I don't think they're going to stop the money machine uh, this year because schools, I think schools are going to try really hard to not pause anything and, and to get those attendance numbers up and keep them up because they can't lose. They can't lose that money again. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully, it doesn't get that bad again to where it's a topic of discussion because it's well, fucking depressing me.
0: Well, yeah, I, I think if, if there, there isn't any talk about canceling games, like, and if if it, if there's no talk about it right now, it's not going to happen. So I just hope it keeps fan excitement. I'm just I'm I'm just kind of nervous about the K State fan base as a whole. Just uh, you know. I, I in in my head, you know, two months ago, I thought, you know, on August 8th, like Twitter and the entire world, like K-State world would be uncontrollable and just not at that level. And I, it's probably more conference realignment than COVID like spiking again, but it's, I'm just kind of like a little disappointed. It doesn't seem to be at a fever pitch. Like I thought it was going to be.
1: Yeah. And that's just, I would honestly put that more to conference realignment kind of, throwing water on the flame of the new season but i think if we get you know when we're a week out people are going to be really buzzing so we'll, i think we'll see
0: Hope oh, so all right so final thing we'll do and it's like a multi-point uh you know topic but l- let's do some stuff it's going to be positive vibes only we're going to overreact from some of the tidbits we've been hearing coming out of the first two fall camp practices the first one daniel amatter baby aka a baby aka baby Uh, apparently is the real deal. Everyone's saying that, hey, Riley Moore was good, but this guy's just a whole next-level athlete. If he can stay healthy, which is honestly a pretty big if, seems like the staff hit homers in back-to-back offseason in the tight end transfer market. Do you think they can keep this tradition going? Like, hey, find an elite transfer tight end, let them wear number zero, and just keep going? Or do you think, hey, let's just be happy we got two great guys back to back
1: Well, first of all, that's really exciting because Briley was a hell of a weapon. We only saw him for 10 games and really eight eight. games because he was injured. So that's exciting, the prospect of having a weapon in his position that's even better, more versatile. And I think – I mean, I'm super excited for Bebe. Um, I cannot wait to see what he does. I just pray that he can stay healthy. And, yeah, why not? I mean, the staff has shown – I mean, specifically at the tight end position, they can say, like – look what we've done in the transfer market. Look what these two guys have done. And the way our offense sets up, they could be in the market for a transfer tight end pretty much every year if there's one available and they can use Briley Moore and a Baby as kind of like their track record as, especially if a modern baby has like an insane year, like, hey, come here. We have like transfers love it here. Tight end gets tons of love. And I just think generally in the transfer market, they've shown that they the transfer portal they've shown that they are pretty astute with finding talent, but also convincing it to join. I'm super like shocked that we stole Julius Brents from Iowa. That's like a huge, a huge get. And pretty much it sounds like at least 80% of the transfers we got this year are going to be like immediate impact. So I'm excited. Um, and that's kind of the new reality. Now that kids can just transfer willy nilly, you have to be kind of aware and you have to be ready to jump on that. And they think they've shown that they can.
0: Yeah, it's good vibes only. We're not going to talk about the one transfer that looks like is going to prove all the haters. Correct. So we're not, even yeah. talk about that. Um, all the buzzes coming into practice, first two practices, the starting, uh, offensive line from left to right is BB uh, Rivas, Noah uh, Johnson, Ben Adler, and Duffy. Um, none of this is really a surprise. I think there's only one open spot, and that was that right guard spot, Ben Adler. Um, do you think he ultimately holds on to that as the day one starter and can you know keep Taylor Portier at arm's length, or do you think Portier over the next you know I guess I get 23 more practices before that Sanford game can take that spot from Ben Adler?
1: I wouldn't be surprised if Poitiers um, by the time we get to Stanford is really pushing him for that spot. Um, but I don't think it really matters all that much. I heard, I read a quote of, I think it was Kleiman saying they could play up to 10 offensive linemen and I don't know if they would rotate that heavily. We you know he likes they, to rotate on the it, defensive side of the ball like crazy. So
0: they usually play like seven, eight linemen. So I I mean, I, I, I don't think, I think 10's a little much, but um I think think you'll get some time, but the starters do get the majority. It's not like a 50-50 split. I think there is a legitimate break in how many snaps the starters get versus the backups.
1: It's good having that depth, though, and being comfortable saying that we could play as much as 10 players because offensive line is a physical position, and it's a position where guys get their legs rolled up on. You know, it it can happen any play. There's bound to be some – injuries this year so having guys on the t-line that are ready to basically to step up and having them interchangeable is pretty good um and i really like taylor poitier i think he's got serious potential to be one of our best guys on the line so it could be adler um at this point but wouldn't be surprised if midway through the season poitier is that established starter
0: Yep. Some of the exciting news that came out of media days and again, out of early practice is the love for Amaris Brown. Um, It sounds like he's currently being slotted as the number one nickel, which is surprising, but a good thing seeing how young he is. Um, And he's getting, like I said, great early reviews. Stubby the legend has been with the number twos at cornerback. And that's because up to this point, Brent's has not been doing any team drills, So first, I want to say, hey, it is great to hear about Brown being the starting nickel. I think that is best case scenario. He truly earned that spot because, you know, Stubby can play there. You know, Russ Yeast can play there. Sincere Mason can play there. Um, A lot of guys can play in that spot. So if he earns that starting nickel, that's great things for the future of the position. But I'm a little discouraged. Me, I'm a little worried about the Brown or about the Brents news. Um, do you think, hey, nothing to see here? If if it sounds like he's still not doing team drills, you know, by the end of the month, that's when you hit the panic button? Or are you, like, at least trying to figure out where you stowed away the panic button over the summer?
1: I'm not panicked yet. Um, but touch back to me in two weeks, and we'll see if, if Brent is still not doing any contact team drills. Yes, I will be scared. Um, the secondary group has been kind of a wild ride this this, uh, this summer. I mean – you never really know what's going to happen in this group because no matter where you think somebody's going to land, they're not probably going to be there. It's like, oh, he's actually getting reps at safety. Oh, he's getting reps at nickel, and it's it's going to be really interesting to see where everybody actually ends up on uh, the day of the Stanford game. I feel pretty comfortable though. I think we got a lot of really solid players, especially on the one line, and Brown getting that starting nickel or possibly being the starting nickel I think is another good example of this staff trusting players young players and building that depth and experience for the future it's one of my favorite things one of my favorite aspects and traits of Chris Kleiman Um, from day one he's come in and he's given autonomy and trust to the younger generations and it's very clear to me that he knows that how important it is to build depth and build for the future and if we didn't have like a shit ton of players from the secondary leave in 2020 we would have had a lot of of young but experienced players returning so I'm excited going forward if you just look across the roster of this team we are young as hell and a lot of like pretty important positions with a lot of pretty important players that have gotten significant time so I think the future is bright I'm excited I'm buzzing over here nothing a delta variant and realignment hasn't hasn't dampened my spirits. So I'm excited.
0: I'm pumped. So this is, you know, your current one line. If Let's just put Brent's back in the starting lineup and move Stubby to the number two, Nickel. Let's just play best case scenario when it comes to health. Going down to Arlington, your ones at corner are Brent's and Echo Island. At Nickel, you have Amaris Brown. At Safety, you have J-Mac and Russ Yeast. On the two line, you have T-Denson And, uh, oh, God, why am I blanking on his name? He had the pick six. Gardner, Justin Gardner at corner. You have Stubby the Legend at Nickelback. And then you have TJ Smith and Sincere Mason at safety. All of a sudden, it goes from saying, hey, you feel so good about the one line. It might be one of the best secondaries at the one line. All of a sudden, now that things are starting to come into place, especially at Nickel, and the fact that both of your safety transfers are seemingly hitting the ground running – all of a sudden that secondary, even at the one and two line, I'm so excited about
1: that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we've, the, the staff has done such a good job at, um, and it was really scary there for a, for a moment. Um, but you got to give the staff credit at this point for how they, you know, shaped up that secondary unit. They missed in a couple other units, but, um, that was probably our biggest concern. We had like absolutely no one in certain positions and it was getting a little touch and go. They lost like 80% of their secondary from 2020 season. So um, they had their work cut out for them and they had the, it's, it's super impressive to me that they were able to poach Julius Prince. I can't say that enough. Um, a guy that everyone is talking about being a, like uh, an a, fuck, NFL prospect and God, he made six, three is wingspans insane. Just like a nightmare corner. And we went and pushed him from power five. So um, it's great. I'm super excited. I can't wait to see some of these young guys play. Um, I hope Amaris Brown hits the ground running. I hope he, I hope he looks good because you remember they did talk about, you know, Wayne Jones being kind of a, an elite safety and he had an, a really tough year at safety. So well, you, hopefully you, that's not the
0: case. He was good as true freshman. I don't know what happened, but whatever. The last tidbit that I absolutely loved was hearing that Deuce, the, the running back rotation went Deuce, Joe Irvin, Jarcadia, right. I'm a little surprised Irvin was in front of Wright based on some of the stuff Kleiman had been saying in press conferences. But all I've heard is all three are looking great. How massive would it be if all three of these dudes were up for the task?
1: It's very exciting. Um even if, let's just throw out Deuce Vaughn for now in that group um, to have Joe Irvin and Jacquardier right, to, if we have two running backs, oh my God, I stubbed my toes so fucking hard. Um, if we have two running backs that are, I mean, first of all, they're both freshmen, which is exciting. Um, well, so second is of all, right? I know it's fucking crazy, but those two guys, two freshmen, but are like, complete opposite styles and running back. We've got, you know, A. Wright who's like a big straightforward bruiser between the tackle guy. And then we've got the smaller Joe Irving, who's shifty can find the holes on the outside. And that's so exciting to have that one, two punch. Um, But then you throw in Deuce Vaughn and who knows how he's going to, how his like touches are going to be distributed across the year, but it's so, it's super exciting. Um, I'm trying to look and see Deuce Vaughn how many receptions he had last year versus like actual touches out of the backfield. But I feel like he had, it's like almost even, but we know like he's so dangerous out of the slot. So no matter how we use him, he's basically going to be an elite weapon, but I wouldn't be surprised if he got less touches out of the backfield than those two other guys combined, or even less than straight up, like head to head with Chikartier, right. Or Joe Urban. But either way, it's super exciting. I hope Deuce can kind of continue this level of hype. I do get a little worried because people know who he is now. But the reality is if you get Deuce on the ball in any space at all, he's going to make something happen. So it's exciting. It's really, really exciting.
0: No, I Um, agree with you.
1: Um, I think we're going to be good.
0: What? I think we're going to be good. I really do. I think so, too. I'm starting to get really excited. So, but that's all I have. Um, How fun is it to actually now be hearing actual tidbits? It's only, it's only two practices. I also want to say like, hey, shit can change. Like there's still 23 more practices before the game. Obviously, yeah, uh, this is just stuff we're hearing after the first two practices. But I mean, it's exciting to be talking about actual football again.
1: It's very exciting. Um, It's very exciting. Last year was such a, a nightmare. Um, I mean, at, even at this point, I think last year we were like, I think it's going to happen, but it was like pretty much day to day. So um, I think we're going to hit the ground running. Um, let's just beat Stanford, go from there. I'm not nope. even going to, I'm not even looking at any other, any other, I don't even know if we play anyone else. <laughs>
0: Well, I like your mentality. That's all we got. Again, Spotify Green Room going live every Wednesday and it's Blitz Month. We have four more shows for you guys this week. Three more with guests previewing the K-State football season and our live show. I'm excited for it. Grant's excited for it. I love you all. Be nice to everyone except for OU Texas and hey, Farmageddon freezes off. It's time to fuck with them again. Fuck Iowa State again. (laughs) Until they play Oklahoma and Texas, like, don't make – let's just have, like, an Oklahoma State-K-State Big 12 championship game so I'm not in a position where I have to choose Iowa State or Oklahoma or Texas. Let's just do that. Or K-State-Texas Tech, let's have Matt Wells save his job. Uh, But it's a good time. It's a good time to be a Wildcat. It's a good time to be alive. Grant, tell anyone anything you want, and then uh, give them your catchphrase and we'll get out of here.
1: I say we have an all-purple championship with the Horned Frogs. Um, Ooh,
0: yes! Oh, playing I for, with Parker again. Oh, shout out to Parker.
1: I think TCU is probably the most, or my the team I least. Hate. I think Doug and
0: shit. That's I think Duggan's
1: shit too, but like I don't really have a whole lot. Like TCU doesn't really. No, know, I, I, I I can respect TCU.
0: I could like tell no the way to hate everyone else except for TCU.
1: Well, I could come up with a way to hate them, but it would be the very least amount of, of against compared to lift, comparatively to all the other teams. But I say, all purple will play for the right to to wear the purple um, jersey, and we'll go from there. Um, see us on Spotify Green Room Wednesdays at seven, folks. Meet me at the Cathead.